0: Welcome back. D1 Rejects, Kobe Manzo. Here with Zach Keen. Zach, what's good?
1: How are we doing today?
0: Fantastic. I'm excited about this one. Unfortunately, there will not be a video version of the podcast. We're going over to audio only. You can find us per usual on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, literally wherever you get your podcasts. But today... We've got two great guests. First, we'll have Andrew Strobel, the linebackers and special teams coach. But wait, not really. He broke a little bit of news in our interview, so uh, stay tuned to find out what he's doing. He is at Moorhead State University, uh, Division I FCS school. Then we'll be joined by my guy, Ian Gilmore, who's at Michigan State studying broadcasting in their school of journalism. So that would be a good change of perspective on the show as we broaden our guests. I talked to Ian about a bunch of potential, because, uh, potential different guests, because we always have, you know, players and coaches and whatever. Yeah. But I think broadcasters, Ian said agents would be really good. I don't know. I mean, it's the reason like to rejects, to that would be sweet. But I also said like, uh, managers and like business side ownership of teams and like exactly if, something like that. I don't know how I could swing that, but. If we can make it happen, I'm going to try. So, after we get through a couple, well, the first conversation, we're going to jump into some NFL talk. That being the reactions from the divisional round this weekend, a look ahead to the NFC and AFC championships. But after that, the news I'm excited to talk about, which is the Lions who have found a new general manager, new head coach, new defensive coordinator. The rebuild is happening, right? Uh-huh. And the GM, our new GM, does not want to call it a rebuild. He calls it a retool. He does not like the term rebuild. So, I will talk about about that a little bit later. You could could argue that the Lions have been rebuilding for 15 years, so maybe that's why he doesn't like it.
1: Anything but a rebuilding for
0: the Lions. But um, after that, the NFL talk, we talked to Ian. We'll get into the college football scene. And Alabama to hire Bill O'Brien to be the next offensive coordinator, obviously, from the Houston Texans there, who got fired after the fourth game this season. And after we kind of transition out of that, we'll talk about some big time players who have declared for this year's NFL draft and some who are sticking around on the college football scene for another year. So a lot of great topics on today's episode. Thank you for listening. And uh, let's get right into that first conversation. Our first guest on today's episode spent his playing days at Northern Michigan before going to coach at a few different universities over the years and has now found a great spot in his third year with the Eagles at Moorhead State as the linebacker coach and special teams coordinator. It's Coach Andrew Strobel. What's going on, Coach? How are you?
2: Doing well, doing well. I appreciate you guys uh, allowing me to come on today.
0: My pleasure. Seriously. and I know uh, you joked about not being able to talk as much as Coach, coach Burton, but um, I don't know anyone who'd be able to follow, follow that act.
2: There's, there's zero doubt about that.
0: (laughs) There were times, man, he would just, and all of his stuff was great too. Like he gave me the whole uh, coaching tree and his journey to becoming a coach and all the things and trials and tribulations. And um, you just didn't know where to be like, you just kind of had to sit back and be impressed.
2: Let let him let him roll.
0: That's what he does. He gets on a roll, it's over. <laughs> I love to hear it. Uh, but let's let's talk about you a little bit. You're the freshman of the year back at NMU in 2007. So obviously, you established yourself early on with the team. Now, between Zach and I, who are both freshmen, um, it's been very difficult to do that now with COVID. Like we haven't even had the locker room setting. We've you know really haven't even had the chance to meet all the guys in the team. We're just starting now to try and get to work out with these guys. But how did you go about establishing yourself early on on that team?
2: Yeah, um, that's a great question, really. Uh, I came in, it was a new staff. So in, in 06, uh, Bernie Anderson and his staff came in. So it was one of those things, I guess, coming in as as a freshman. Um, I actually, I, I won that award as a redshirt freshman. So was oh, I my see, I see. Year. Yep. Um, but I did travel as a true freshman. I didn't play, but I did make the travel team. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, and so the, the thing for me was being a, a new staff, being a new guy, uh I think I had equal opportunity. I, they were looking to, you know, get the program turned around at that point. Um and I was I was the try hard guy. I mean I, I really was uh I mean I'd win every sprint and all that kind of stuff. Awesome. And I think that's what for me kinda of made it made it or made myself stand out. Um and I've been fortunate I guess that I am I I love football and I'm a football junkie and so I, I learned the playbook rather quickly and easily. That's good. Um and so that's kinda I think how I, I made my niche there.
0: Basically like make it so they cannot ignore you. Like you're gonna win okay. everything and do everything yep. that you possibly can. Put yourself in the best position to be successful. I love that. Yep, for sure. That's good. Now, I, I was kind of trying to look and see what kind of success that team had back when you were playing. And for whatever reason, Northern is like in their athletics website is like super weird about trying to show schedules and stuff. So I couldn't find anything. But what kind of success did your teams have? I know you said you were trying to turn that program around a bit.
2: Yeah. So the year before I got there, uh, I think they were two and eight. If OK. I'm not mistaken. Uh, so my redshirt freshman year, we were. um Three and three and seven. Yep. So then my my redshirt freshman year, my first year playing, we ended up five and five, um, and kind of made uh, what we thought were going in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, then we then we then we took a step back, and I think we were four and six.
0: Ah. Okay.
2: And then my last year, we were six and four. There you go. We started off. We were uh five and one. We were ranked for the first time in in a long time. We'd Holy cow. Around Valley. Yeah. And then we lost uh, Finley on a last second field goal and lost to Grand Valley. We were on we were on the road driving and we threw a pick six and, and we ended up losing by like thirteen. So but we got it turned around. I mean it was I mean to be ranked and all that kind of stuff and from where we were was, was a, a good process and it was a lot of fun.
0: That's good to hear, and I know um, for Zach and I here, Northern did not have the record that they wanted last year. It was one and eight, yes. one and nine, yep, somewhere around there. They they won their first game of the year and then um, really struggled. They did have some very close games and they stayed competitive in a bunch, but at the end of the day, like a loss is a loss. So I know there's a lot of pressure on, on these guys and these staff to get some wins this year and show that we're kind of moving in the right direction. I hope, hey, I hope we're kind of moving in the right direction. I feel like we're definitely making some strides. But go ahead, Zach. Yes, sure. Sir.
1: But, uh, so, Coach. When was it kind of that moment when you realized that you wanted to go into coaching as basically your career?
2: That's a great question. That, um, so I played, so again, I graduated from Northern. I actually graduated in three and a half years. There you go. Um, and I redshirted. So I actually had a year of playing eligibility left. But my last year, I, my, I blew my shoulder out pretty bad. Uh. Um, and so I knew I had – um, I was going to have surgery. And at the time, Northern didn't have really any MBA programs or anything. So there okay. was no, I think it was the year after I graduated, they actually came out with their NBA program. Of course. But so I, I was going to have surgery. I was going to miss all spring ball. And I was already graduated. So there was really no avenue. So my year, it got cut short. Um, and I just, I mean, I graduated and I was like, oh, what am I going to do? I mean, I have an entertainment and sports promotion. But my whole life has been, sport. yeah and so after I, I got surgery in january and then as i was sitting there at home i just started applying all over the place and um so I, that's i mean i was like i love football and like so it was really after i was done and once that my my career got cut you know short um that's what i was like man i i still love it i still want to do it and so away i went and i started applying every i mean i sent out from my my living room with one arm typing all these emails out. That's, started.
0: That's awesome. I love that. Um, right. And obviously you found somewhere and you've kind of just, ever since then I've just moved up the chain and continued to progress and kind of raise the bar at each place you've you know been to talk about the journey of a career that you've had from Culver Stockton to East Stroudsburg, Alfred state Alma, and now at Moorhead state, what has it been like for you and, you know, learning along the way and kind of, like I said, just stepping it up each time, each uh, new school?
2: Yeah. Um, well, as, as Coach Burton, you know, alluded to it, it is really a, it's a journey that you never know. I mean, you're, you're one second away from, from a big-time job, and you're also one second away from getting fired.
0: Yeah, um, that's a good point.
2: <laughs> well, when I was at – I mean, an example of when we were at, um, at Elma, we went seven and three. Uh, for the first time since like 2002, okay, so it would been you know 12, 13 years, was it 14 years since that the last time Man. they won seven games, and then the next year we went four and six, we lost two close games, and they uh, did not. They let go uh, our head coach at the Man. time, which for all of us were sitting there. And again, the, before I got there, they were five and five, seven and three, four and six, and Then all of a sudden, you're like, what just happened? Um, But it's also always a blessing in disguise. I I, uh, was fortunate enough that I had a job offer here um, that I actually turned down the year before. Really? Um, Yep. They asked me, I interviewed here in 15 when I was at East Stroudsburg. I didn't get the job. Um, They called me up after the 16 year and offered me the job. And (laughs) then, eight. After seventeen, we got the head coach got let go, and they offered me it again. And I was like, "Well, I'm not turning it down again." So, yeah. Um, so it's it's a process that really, as you get to know people, it's it's all about relationships, and it's on the field, uh, off the field, your players, your coaches, and that's really what's going to sustain you in the coaching world. If you're a good person, um, you know you're going to go far in the in the coaching world. So it's
0: that's good to hear. You know, yeah. I think there that. you go. Yeah, of yeah. course. I think you did a great job of answering that. And like you said, it's all about building those relationships, whether that be with the guys you're coaching with, your student athletes, your administration, whatever that is. All of the best programs gel on all those levels between all of those different pieces. So that's super important. But, you know, like I kind of just alluded to, all those different schools you are at, which are at a bunch of different levels, some of which are not even in the, yep. in the NCAA. You got the NAIA um, kind of in that Culver Stockton region. So, what you know, obviously that's the constant is building those relationships and things, but how do you think coaching at all those different levels has really helped you to be where you are now having that vast, you know, level of experience?
2: Yeah, no, um, it's tremendous. Um, um, it's, it was a blessing. I went to Culver Stockton now in in 2010, it was a brand new staff. Um, they had the nation's longest losing streak.
1: Are you serious?
2: Um, Yep, They hadn't won a game in, in three years, so they were 0-30. Oh
0: my, I don't know if I've ever heard of something like that.
2: Uh, Yeah, and they were, we started off 0-6, I believe, before we, so it was 0-36. Jeez. And then we beat Graceland, uh, which is in Iowa, and, I mean, you talk about a a parade that happened for us. Um, So, but being there... It was – we only had four full-time coaches. I was a part-time guy, but I was a full-time coach. I mean, I was there making no money, but I had access to some of the the best coaches there. Actually, our defensive coordinator at the time is now the defensive coordinator at North Dakota State. Okay. Um, So, I mean, I would – we just – I lived football and got to wear a bunch of different hats. And so I was there, you know, my first year I was a part-time guy. The next year I was promoted to full-time. My third year I was a special teams coordinator. And then my fourth year I was a defensive coordinator. There you go. Um, and not because I was qualified, but I kind of, you know, just had to kind of <laughs> earned it there. I mean, I had Stuck it for out. four years. Exactly. Um, and so I just, I learned a lot. I was a 20, 24 years old as a defensive coordinator in college. Man.
0: That's really didn't impressive.
2: I didn't know what yeah. I was doing, but I, I, I <laughs> learned a lot. I learned a lot doing it. And so that's kind of, um, you know, then I went to a Division two school. Um, then I went to Alfred State, which was a startup program. They were a junior college that was transitioning to Division three. Okay. I was going to ask um, about
0: that because that, the name did not uh, sound familiar.
2: Yeah. No, it, it's a, I mean, it's only been around for now, whatever, five years. Okay. But I went with two two close buddies. um and so it was a lot of fun, I mean, to, to start up a program, essentially, um, and again, we were terrible, but we just got to learn <laughs> the whole process, how to recruit when you you have nothing to recruit to. Yeah. Um, so by the time you get to a place like Morehead State, I mean, it's a lot easier to recruit here than it was, you know, at Alfred State.
0: That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to kind of stay on that same track talking about the recruiting because the league you're currently coaching in, the Pioneer Football League, teams like Dayton, Valpo, Davidson, Butler, you know, some may not know this, but there aren't any uh, athletic scholarships in this league. And even though it's technically uh, the Division I FCS level, which a lot of people might be very surprised by that if you're not very familiar with kind of the football world and that realm of uh, college football. But like you said, it's a lot easier to recruit there from somewhere who's starting up because, because they have that culture and that program established. But what has that experience been like? And how does that aspect of recruiting affect getting top talent to your campus?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And, and my background as a division, you know, being at a lower level, I should say, I mean, it's, it's what really has helped me here. Cause I believe it. If you if you were at a, um, you know, an FCS program that offers scholarships, and you come here and you don't have, you know, that money to go recruit kids. And you, you've never done it. and all you usually say is, hey, here's a full ride. What do you think? <laughs> um, and that's, it's, it's truly a skill that you learn. I mean, when you, you're at Elma and you're, and these kids are, are paying a lot of money yeah. to convince them that that's a good idea. Um, so coming here, when we do, we hop on a plane and we, we fly to California. We fly to Florida. We fly to Iowa. Um, you know, we played Austin P. We play, We're supposed to play Montana. We're okay. our, our first team this spring is we're playing James Madison, who just lost in the national championship. I was going to say, that
0: is a huge opponent for you guys, I'd imagine.
2: <laughs> and so, I mean, telling kids, hey, would you want to go, you know, if you go, like, and again, I've played division two football. So, I mean, I, I had, I was on a, a 50%, you know, scholarship at Northern. So I still had student loans. And so of course. we recruit, we recruit those, you know, division two caliber kids. And it's like, Hey, do you want to pay, you know, $5,000 to go to Northern or do you want to pay $5,000 to come to Moorhead? But here's, here's the differences. And like, this is what you can get here and, and what we will provide you here. And so it's just knowing how to sell it. And, and again, being at a division two school, being at an NAIA school, yeah, I can, I can speak on that and show the differences.
0: And that all goes all goes back to just building those relationships, right? And that shows you it kind of comes full sure. circle of how important that is.
1: Yep, one hundred percent. So uh, there's been a lot of great Division One, Double A conferences like Missouri and Ohio Valley, Big Sky, and then the Ivy League. Um, how do you think your conference stacks up in your mind since you've been at uh, Morehead State?
2: Yeah, um, we uh, so if you look at it, and um, our the San Diego is. Is our top dog right now? They've won conference for for too long. Okay, uh, and our league does beat Like San Diego's won playoff games.
0: Have they really? I didn't um, know that.
2: Yep. Yeah, um, we've won playoff games, and
0: that's good. We beat
2: our league. beats uh, – on every year, a team in our league will beat a scholarship school. That's awesome. At least one. Last year, Dayton beat um, Illinois who had Illinois or Indiana state.
3: Okay. Yeah.
2: The year before um, Butler beat Youngstown state, Um, San Diego, the year before that won a playoff game. Um, You know, so it are like, you know, top to bottom. Can we hang in the Missouri Valley? Absolutely not. Uh, But on a given day, can we beat a Missouri Valley school? Yeah, uh, we can. Um, So it, it is, it's, Having, we still recruit high level kids, and um, it's what it, it's kind of like you said, building relationships and instilling and, and that hey, we can beat scholarship schools. And every year we do go out and play, you know, Eastern Kentucky, we play uh, Montana State coming up, James Madison. So yep. we're still competing with those guys, but so we can beat them on, on any given day, you know, top to bottom. Are we as, as, as good? No. But and that's yeah, be. and
0: that's good to have like that. You know, I want to say just like honesty and wherewithal to know that, but like, still, like you said, it all it takes is one day for your game plan to just outmatch and really you know take advantage of theirs. And like that game can go either way, and you know that obviously I didn't know actually that San Diego had won playoff games. That's like you know, that's a big deal, that's a huge deal for any FCS team, especially just trying to get into the playoffs. You know how difficult that is for any team, but. Um, I did want to talk about a little bit of NFL before we let you go. How uh, how tuned in have you been to the NFL playoff scene?
2: Uh, uh, not as much recently. <laughs> as, uh,
0: <13. laughs> Come on, now.
2: Uh, because we got the season. Like, now this is, talk about a weird schedule, you know, going out to practice right now in January. Like
0: That's a good point, it yeah. Is,
2: it's not, I don't have, well, and actually, so I actually got promoted to defensive coordinator um, two weeks, three weeks ago. Well,
0: congratulations. Uh-huh. I didn't know that. <laughs>
2: yeah and it hasn't really been announced yet well there you Um, go
0: breaking news yeah exactly. (laughs) So let's go you
2: know i've been trying to put together a playbook and we we hired a couple of guys new guys on staff um and so that's what i just i've been watching though i mean i I tuned in and i'm watching it but not as much as I, i should be
0: there you go well um Crazy weekend, obviously, with the divisional round. Drew Brees possibly plays his last game. Patrick Mahomes goes down with a concussion heading into the AFC Championship. And we were five points away from a Browns-Bills AFC Championship. I mean, oh, yeah. if there's one year that, like, all of this crazy stuff has been happening, it's been this year. I just think this football has been great. But, um, you know, we've got the Bucks and the Packers and the NFC and uh, Bills versus Chiefs in the AFC. I mean, I don't like you said. I don't. I don't know how, how tuned in you are to all of this, but just hearing the fact that the Bills are in the AFC Championship for the first time in like eighteen years, how crazy is that?
2: The storylines that the NFL does have are are unreal. The Patriots are terrible. Yep. Uh, the Bills are good. <laughs> uh, but the only consistency is sadly the Lions are terrible. <laughs> um, but no, like you said, Drew Brees. Since the last game for me, that's that's hard to believe. Yeah. I mean, he's been a fixture for, I mean, I watched him when he was at Purdue and I've been able to watch him. It shows how old now I am. I would say you just
0: dated yourself.
2: Exactly. (laughs) I mean, Tom Brady, but Tom Brady's still going. So the storylines the NFL has been blessed with, with the COVID year that has been, they're, they're not short of stories going on. That's for sure.
0: Not at all. And we had one of Drew's uh, former teammates, Zach Lyon, who played fullback for the Saints for three years, just retired last year. Uh, we had him on last week, and we were talking about how um, Drew said last year was going to be his last year, but then you have the Rams in the NFC Championship, and nobody can really blame him for coming back. But then you come back, and you break ribs, and you go through all that shit just to lose like to the Bucks, lose? like in the division yeah, round. Like, are no. you serious?
2: Lose to a 43-year-old quarterback? <laughs>
0: yeah. Somebody, One of the only quarterbacks
1: that's older than you are. Could you yeah. imagine? Oh, yep.
0: that, That's got to be unreal for him. But coach, I really cannot thank you enough for coming on. I appreciate you.
1: Appreciate you, coach. No, no
2: problem. Are you guys? Where are you guys living in, in uh, Northern?
0: Uh, we're in the new dorms here. They're called the Woods, and they uh, they take care of us. Yes, they, they do. Pretty yeah. price tag on it, but they do take care of us.
2: So I did keep tabs on on Northern recently, okay. and I did see their virtual visit um, that that Coach Nystrom had
0: put out. Yeah, so Um, I put I put that together for the university, so I appreciate that. I'm glad you saw it.
2: I did see it, and I was blown away. There we go. It is not the same Northern Michigan that when I was there. That's for sure.
0: That's awesome. Well, I'm glad uh, I'm glad that impressed and had a good uh, impression on you.
2: No, yeah, I hope you guys do get it turned around up there, and um, yeah, I definitely I still keep tabs on you guys up there, and
0: that's great to hear. You guys. Thank you, Coach.
2: coach.
0: Um, We're kind of looking still trying to set up some scrimmages. I know we're going to try and get some like regional opponents, hopefully, those guys up at tech um, for a scrimmage, but nothing is concrete yet. So hopefully, we'll have that announced soon. We'll see.
2: Yeah, nothing goes good. Nothing's good up in tech.
0: So amen to that, Coach. I appreciate you. You have a good one. We'll be in touch.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you guys. Have a good one. See you, Coach.
0: Great conversation with Coach Strobel. What a dude.
1: Great guy. And he
0: saw – well, we broke some news, first of all. That was the coolest part, yeah. I think. We don't usually get to do that on D1 Rejects because we're not like a live podcast or anything. But <laughs> <laughs> but that's always kind of fun. And then, like we were saying, he was a redshirt freshman in 2007. Like, you know, we said, like, he dated him. He's a young yeah, coach, dude. He
1: is a pretty young coach. And,
0: like, in the Pioneer League, Division one is Division one. If you're a defensive coordinator at a school like that, I, I'd imagine it's only up from him. So excited to see where he ends up here in the next couple of years or maybe if that's just at Morehead State still i um, really excited for him. But Let's talk to NFL reactions from the divisional round. Ravens lose 17 to three in Buffalo after losing Lamar Jackson. Josh Allen and the boys are in the AFC championship for the first time in 26 years. Did I say like 18 when we were talking to Strobel? Yeah, We said 18, 26. Yeah. It's I Not was gonna even say close. It seems a little it's, longer yeah. than 18. I don't know why that number popped into my head, but it did. So I apologize. <laughs> I correct myself right there. 26 years since an AFC championship.
1: Been a fat minute.
0: That is unreal, dude. And the fact, like I said, we were five points away from a Browns-Bills game. That so, would have been
1: dude. one to talk about.
0: That was unreal. But Lamar struggled in this game even before he left. Uh, he didn't have the same impact We're used to see him having the ground, especially averaging under four yards per carry on only nine attempts. Now, for any other quarterback, nine attempts on the ground is like – a lot of running, but for Lamar, yeah. who leads quarterbacks in that category, that was not uh, much of an impact. He threw for 160 yards and a touchdown before leaving the game late in the second half, having failed to pass concussion protocol. So him and Patrick Mahomes,
1: him and Patrick
0: Mahomes, going down, dude. What's going on with these quarterbacks? I, that's unreal. The Bills' offense was pretty slow throughout the game. Allen throwing for 200 yards. The team rushing for only 32 yards total. The only real bright spot was Stefan Diggs, finished with 106 yards and a touchdown.
1: Yeah. I mean. I kind of knew from the beginning that I was going to be the Josh Allen dig show, but yeah, it had to be because, exactly. uh,
0: you know, Singletary was in, but Moss, their other back, I think is out with, I forget what Something. type of injury, but he but, was not playing.
1: Yes. Yeah, he was out. And, um, you know, I, I really did think though, this could have been an opportunity for, you know, Lamar to shine in, um, just because of the weather. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can always say that the bills are used to the weather and, it uh, definitely didn't seem to be a problem for Josh Allen getting the ball out of his hands in Not at all the correct spot. But, you know, I thought Lamar it would be something where he would be able to drop back, maybe some designed runs and break away for huge plays. And I Draws, mean, he did on a couple. Yeah. But I was definitely expecting way more from him. And then especially after they lost him um, late in that second half, like we just talked about to the concussion protocol, it was just like, yeah, we pretty much know where this game is going. And um, I think the s- score... I don't even think really shows what happened in the game. It seemed Agreed. like the Ravens were struggling. I mean, yeah. three points is a rough showing in and of itself, but I, I, I don't know. Ravens definitely seemed like they were just struggling, seemed like the whole game.
0: Yeah, and their defense obviously helped make sure that score wasn't, like, inflated or exactly. whatever. Or some big-time stops, a couple turnovers, whatever. But for Lamar, I was definitely expecting because he gets that – kind of gets the monkey off his back. Is that the right saying? It sounds so weird, but I think, I would, that's, yeah. I think that's it. I mean, but, Like, with that win over the Titans, I mean. He kind of got the monkey off his back. Like, all the doubters, you know, they're going to be back now. Like, all of them are going to come out of the woodwork. But when he got the first playoff win, for me, that was, like, huge for him. And we talked about the Browns getting the pressure lifted. And now, like, the Ravens, not really the Ravens, but Lamar getting that pressure lifted off his shoulder. I thought we were going to see a different animal come out and play. You know what I mean? Like, a different beast. But for him, that was definitely not the showing that he wanted to have in that game. So yeah, exactly. that kind of stinks for them. The Ravens, this, this is kind of why I, I would totally agree with you about how the Ravens really were in it much more so than 17 to three. The Ravens had more total plays, more yards per play, more first downs and a better conversion percentage on third down than the bills. Yeah. You look at all those things, more time of possession, like that's unreal. It really is, and like for them to still lose that game seventeen to three, it came down to letting up four sacks and then a huge interception on the goal line returned hundred and one yards by Taron Johnson. So that was the same guy in the combine that, was, that uh, looked the wrong way and then took a football to the yeah, dome right to the face.
1: <laughs> that was that, that was, was pretty awesome. sweet.
0: A hell of a return too. Exactly, that was I mean, sweet.
1: That was, that was like a. Kickoff basically. But <laughs> Dude, it was. We on it, was awesome. of guys. It was that was
0: so, yeah. Take that play out too. Yeah, 10 exactly. to 3. Bill's offense puts up 10 points. They're going to have to do a lot
1: better next week. So, I mean, yeah, you, but Ravens do have a really stout defense and they do. And we saw what they did to Derrick Henry. Exactly. You know what I mean? 40 yards in that game, around 40 yards because
0: their defensive line just controlled the line of scrimmage and they played like very fundamentally sound defense. It wasn't like, oh, we have studs across the defensive line, like their scheme. Yeah was so solid in that game. It, it was actually pretty fun to watch, even though I'm a, a big Derrick Henry fan. Um, that was pretty fun to watch some some solid football. But let's talk about your boys, the Cheeseheads. Uh, Green Bay, they win decisively at home over the Rams, 32-18. to 18. And I was talking to you, <clears throat> you about this one because, yeah, at first, like, oh, Green Bay, obviously coming out of, you know, the NFC, whatever, and then, you know, people kind of started talking about this Rams team a little bit, and then that yeah. win over Seattle really kind of cemented them as, like, being legit, especially yeah. with the defense. Um, and then the conversation really started to shift because the NFL obviously always wants to make these big storylines, like no playoff game is going to be under talked about or underappreciated, right? For sure. So then it was, you know, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and that defense against Aaron Rodgers because you can't talk about a quarterback with four fingers. You know what I mean? Like exactly. with Jerry Goff. So I think that game it was kind of it was nice at least that it wasn't like the Rams weren't taken as uh I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Taking for granted, like they're a solid team and a contender, but Green Bay definitely took care of uh, of business for me. What you see in that game?
1: I mean, I saw Green Bay's offense kind of just take the bull by the horns and just kind of show them what was up and how legitimate that their offense is. Because I would say the Rams, uh, I don't know exactly what they're ranked according to, you know, PFF and all those kind of. Good question. uh, I don't know rankings, but I know they're for sure top three. Yeah. And Ace. I mean, thirty-two defense-wise. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know. Oh, defense. There, I think they were might have been rated. They might have the been rated yeah. top. That's I, what I was about been. to
1: say, but I didn't want to. No, I believe you know, you're right in saying that by you know. Yeah. Being a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just. Yeah. Anyways, but no, definitely Green Bay, um, showing that they can put up thirty-two points against one of the best defenses in the league. It's definitely um, going to be something that they're going to need to use in the rest of these games. And um, I was still kind of. Upset that they that the Rams were able to put up 18. Um, yeah, but Jared Goff, I mean, um, one of the like first well. couple. Yeah, I mean, first drive, I believe they went three and out, and I was like, they're about to get steamrolled. Like, here it's go. not even gonna yeah. be fun. Um, well, it been fun for me, but uh, <laughs> you know, then second drive, he comes out and throws like three strikes. Yeah, down the field, and I was like, um, so this guy actually has four <laughs> fingers, or are we just lying here. But it's hilarious. Definitely. But, saw that uh, my Green Bay Packers were able to dominate. And, yeah, well, I'm, I'm excited to watch this um, NFC championship coming up here.
0: I am, too. I think there will be two really good games, both conference championships respectively. But that Rams defense takes a huge blow. Aaron Donald's snaps get limited, and they really struggled to contain the passing attack from the Packers. Rodgers had 300 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, oh, that's, that's brutal. That was but. the
1: other thing I wanted to talk about because I saw that I didn't know that Aaron Donald snaps were going to be limited going in. And yeah, because
0: Sean McVay uh, kind of really, he lied about it because he said, yeah, Aaron Donald, 100%, yeah, like his snaps are not going to be limited, whatever. Even at the beginning of the game, he was not in there for every single snap. Oh, you know what sure. I mean? He'd be I, kind of on and off possession base. I was
1: wondering, I was like, "Um, you definitely need this dude right now. But then, yeah. um, I don't know, when I when it um, surfaced to me was when I saw him at the end of the game that kind of showed a little snapshot of him, like it was like, he was just bawling his Balling, eyes dude. out. Tears and were I was coming like, all over I don't the place. know. If, I mean, I understand if this dude's emotional. I mean, the dude's already lost a Super Bowl. I was like, yeah. I mean, um, but then I was like, I mean, that's kind of unlike him. I don't. I didn't see yeah. him do that in the Super Bowl, right? So I was like, what?
0: So why? Yeah. What's the difference now? Why is he crying? Yeah. Now? Exactly. I thought the same thing because my initial thought was, oh, he's hurt. You always think when the guys lose, like, oh, he's very upset because of yeah, the yeah, exactly. And this dude was playing through broken cartilage all yeah, throughout his like midsection torn and everything, in his ribs. Yeah. And,
1: I'm sure that's – I mean, I've never experienced that, but I'm sure that's probably got to be pretty painful. Yeah. So – What a fluke injury, too. Props to him for trying to play through that. Did you see the
0: the play that he got injured on?
1: No, I did not, and so I probably was, should watch it. Yeah,
0: you should check it out, because it's weird. It's it's like Russell Wilson's going back, and then... Oh, no,
1: no, I heard about so this, how he like yeah. fell on his so foot or fell, something. So he fell,
0: yeah, and then I mu- Russell's ankle or something must have been underneath his back, or like kind of his side, I'm assuming, more so, like yeah. where the ribs, kind of that floating-type rib is. back. Oh, I don't know. Rib, yeah, yeah, I know but what you talking about. But he just landed on it funny. And I, I looked at it, and I was like, oh, like maybe he just got the air knocked out of him. Like, it's Aaron yeah, exactly. Donald. Exactly. It's Aaron it's, it's a huge, You know what I mean?
1: You, you know, you... You'd think it would be Aaron Donald hurting Russell Wilson, but apparently right. That that's way what I was around. like.
0: Is his Russell Wilson's ankle okay? Because <laughs> yeah, that dude that's what I was saying. saying I was like, how beef? Yeah, so just fell on that boy, but I. Again, I was super surprised by that. A guy that I said last week needed to have a huge game for the Rams was Cam Akers, their rookie running back, who I continually forget is a rookie, the way he plays. He had a solid day for the Rams, 90 yards on the ground, but it it just wasn't enough. And L.A. did not possess the ball nearly enough to help their defense out and keep them fresh. That was one thing, was the time of possession was heavily in Green Bay's favor, which Green Bay has been um, a lot of like... I don't know if it's really is, the media is kind of misconstrued this. They kind of portrayed it as like, oh, big plays, flashy plays. Mm-hmm. Green Bay can gut out drives, six, seven, eight minute drives down yeah, the field, like 10, 11, 12 just, plays. Yeah. They they can do it both. You know what I mean? And they dominated the time possessions. So not only was that defense you know struggling, but they were out there for so long. Exactly. So if you can, if That Rams offense could have kept the defense off the field for a little bit. I think that would have been huge for them. Yeah. Let's move over to Browns losing a heartbreaker, 22-17 in Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, I did want to call Drew. We'll see if he answers here because uh, he wanted to talk about his Browns. So let me see if we can't get uh, Drew Karp on the
1: line here. But the Browns. Absolutely. No, this, this definitely was the one that I wanted to talk about more.
0: Absolutely unreal. Their game and their, all their hopes of going to that AFC championship with the Bills out the window, as incredible as that uh, would have been. But, Drew, what's going on, buddy? Hey. Uh, We're on the pod right now. We want to talk about some Browns with you.
3: You in? I, yeah, I figured. <laughs>
0: uh, so, Drew. Talk to me here. Patrick Mahomes leaves the game in the third quarter, ruled out with concussion, but Cleveland's defense, anything is possible. The Chiefs offense with backup quarterback Chad Henney made some big plays down the stretch. He lowers his shoulder, and then the ballsy call. The ballsy call. Don't disrespect my man like that. The ballsy call from Reed on fourth down, that conversion, the pass to seal the win. What were the emotions like in the Carpenter household?
3: Um... It was one of those things where I uh, sat, didn't talk, and my mom came up to me and was like, they had a great season, Drew. And I was like, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. And so um, um, when they – I honestly thought they were going to call time timeout and punt it. And I'm like, oh, Baker yeah. versus the Bengals. You know, he, he drove down there in about 30 seconds, got that game-winning touchdown, we're going to win this game. Yeah. And then he goes for it. And I was on my knees, you know, watching the play, and I just sunk right to the ground, face first. <laughs> Like, a relative yeah. died in front of you. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, but, like, like you said, I thought we were just going to call time out and punt it or whatever. Zach, I'm assuming you were watching that.
1: Oh, yeah, this one was more heartbreaking for me than
0: really anything. Yeah. Oh, no, we were watching together, weren't we? We were just the other night. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know why I blanked right there. But, um, yeah, so they're sitting there, and we noticed when we were watching it. Like, everyone's kind of just standing around, right? Like, oh, like, we'll just run the clock out, whatever. Like, yeah, that- all their body language.
1: Was the suggesting the fact did
3: not look like they were going to run a play exactly. Nobody right? did. There receivers
1: did. anybody. They yeah. just looked so real, like it was like just kind of a routine thing. But and that I
0: would assume that has to be all by design. But at the same time, like you can't practice that. I mean, you can, but like who pre- who prepares for that situation? I didn't
1: see it. Like maybe a, I don't know.
0: You know what I mean? It like was is odd, that, but that's it was just got to be executed. like a, a spur of the moment call. I'm assuming
1: from Andy Reid.
3: Oh, it's got to be something that they thought of for sure, though. I, I couldn't believe Like maybe believe that. for a two point conversion or something.
1: Oh, but it, like obviously yes.
3: not running down the play clock.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, I don't know if that really, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's just got to be credit to him. And like, I don't know. Do they have any time even well, to talk about that like before they well, went out in the
3: field? Yeah. Cause uh, there was the booth review to see if Penny got the first down. Oh, play okay. Before.
0: That's a great point.
3: Yeah. So, but I honestly think about, like, you know, when you talk about Michigan, Ohio State, right? And it was like JT was short. Yeah. The play that made it was the play before with Curtis Samuel. And obviously, the play, I mean, Miles Garrett sacks Chad Henney and he gets a 13 yard run the next play. Like, you can't let that happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. And that's what you but, were talking about is getting some guys like Miles Garrett, who needs help off the edge there for Cleveland. I think that was yeah, what you were saying. Yeah. Burning
3: Vernon towards Achilles. And, you know, if he's in that game, there's no way um, that Henney gets around him.
0: Yeah. Probably agree. I mean, grit from him, though, lowering the shoulder and trying to convert there.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of what ifs, right? I mean, what yeah. if Mahomes didn't get hurt? Of course. And obviously the biggest what if is Higgins stretching the ball for the pylon. But, you know, oh yeah, we'll be back. Yeah, that we'll would be, be back. back. That would have been a different game.
0: That would have been a completely different game. The fumble out of the end zone, which, like, we were talking about it, like, that rule stinks. And I don't I don't know like what we couldn't really think of any alternatives as to what should happen instead, but like to see that type of momentum change after Cleveland finally put together a big time drive and drove yeah. down the field like I don't know, what do you think about that rule?
3: I honestly like I haven't thought about the overall like end zone rule. I yeah. thought about how in college football you can review a targeting call or the booth can oh, be like the, the, head ber- to head. the previous play they is that dude definitely had it. Yeah. And, but in the NFL, you can't do that. like Yeah, I the mean, play wasn't
0: reviewable. That's
3: Exactly. so. But if that play's reviewed, then the Browns get the ball on the one-yard line and nobody's stopping Hunt or Chubb from the one-yard line. And if that it was a great college, point. that dude would be out.
0: Yeah, he'd be ejected exactly. out of the game. He'd be gone. And
3: uh, Sorensen was the guy who hit it. He's their captain on defense. Exactly. That would have been That's completely a completely different game.
0: Dude, I wonder – so now I wonder if we'll see – any rule type change. of yeah, maybe rule change or some type of subtle change that the, you the <laughs> too <though>. late now. <laughs> yeah, seriously,
3: gosh. Well, I mean, the thing about their season the week before they don't even have their head coach and they're like, oh, maybe we should change that rule. Like, yeah, <laughs> they're the test dummies right now. <laughs>
0: uh, but like you said, Drew, they'll be back. I, I have confidence in that. I think Pittsburgh and let's look at the AFC North a little bit. Uh, Pittsburgh. Has a lot of question marks going into the mm-hmm. off season. Um, I know there's been rumors about Juju wanting to be in a different, like a bigger market, which he's come out and said that that was fake, apparently. But then you have Big Ben and some other guys that are up on contract. Marquise Pouncey. I as think long is as he up. doesn't come
1: to the Packers, I don't really care. <laughs> there was some clip of him playing like Ford or something like that. And he's got he's wearing a Packer something? jersey. Oh no! He had, like his skins, and I'm like, dude, I saw that and like almost had a heart attack.
3: <laughs> Bro, don't worry though. He, he's not disrespectful to anyone else. The Browns are disrespectful for inti- or doing or making fun of him. Yeah, they didn't that's, win with they didn't win with enough
0: class, right? Is that what yeah. Claypool
3: said? We, and we got clapped. You're right. <laughs> no, but I... you know if the if if, if the Browns were going to get clapped and they clapped the Steelers, wouldn't the Steelers have gotten clapped?
0: Oh my gosh, I, uh, nope.
3: I'll
1: shed tears if that's actually a legit thing.
0: <laughs> uh, but Drew. Appreciate you. Sorry about the loss, buddy. Glad we could get you on we'll for a bit. We'll
3: be back. You know, it's fine. We'll be back. No, We've I know you Got a lot of cap space. A lot Makes of cap space. Makes the moves. Maybe getting – I heard reports that the Lions are interested in Odell Beckham, which, you know, another washed-up receiver. <laughs> it, you know, unless he's on the Browns, he's not washed up. I say but get him out. But I heard the Browns are interested in getting Adam Thielen today. So mm, whoa. That would be big. Yeah. You know, That'd and Von huge. Miller apparently in free
0: agency, so we'll see. Von Miller, that's a name we have
1: not heard a lot about Von Miller and Miles Garrett, that's <laughs> – that'd be deadly. Gary,
3: you as a quarterback, Zach, could you imagine Von Miller and Miles Garrett coming at you? Yeah, that'd
1: uh, that definitely make me be on my toes a little, that's for sure. Yeah.
3: A little bit. All right,
0: Drew. I
1: appreciate you, buddy.
3: Yep, I'll see you guys. All right, see ya. Oh,
0: <laughs> on his knees in front of the TV, just – Oh, I can picture it. Just I can picture. That's. I mean,
1: you you put the Packers in that situation, and I'm doing the same thing, maybe more.
0: (laughs) Uh, Moving on for from our Browns there,
1: Um, Drew Brees. Oh, go ahead. Because that's. I remember last NFC Championship. I was here on my visit in the 906, watching Raheem Mostert stomp all over us.
0: What did he run for, dude? And
1: like it was two
0: hundred like, yards untouched. I was gonna say it was like two. So he got over two hundred, but then I know it was like over one hundred and forty of those were or without
1: contact. Without contact. I remember that game splitting linebackers and safeties having to just like. And that was when they had like three
0: running him. backs to 49ers. Like they had like yeah, kind but, of a stable. Like,
1: yeah, exactly. But I mean, but he he showed out though. Obviously. Oh, for sure. Well, two hundred yards. I mean, it was like. I don't think that would happen now. I think our interior defense has gotten way better. I sure
0: as hell hope it would not happen now. Gosh, you're right.
1: Look at Packers versus um, Derrick Henry. Yeah. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, it was for them. Because their run defense has been under
0: attack all year, basically. Because they can't really attack much else I mean,
1: because their D linemen are good, but definitely, I'll say this till. The linebacker. It actually. Yes. There you go. Just make a move. Draft somebody. Something like that.
0: Yeah, Rodgers is not done. It does not seem like he's planning on being done anytime soon. But a guy that most likely we've seen the last of his Sadly. days, Drew Brees, loses what could be his last NFL game, like we talked about with Coach Strobel earlier. 30-20 to to the Bucks. The Saints had four turnovers on the night, and they struggled to get the ball to Michael Thomas, who which added to Brees' struggles offensively. And, you know, when I was writing this, I was like, yeah, like he really, Michael Thomas did not have the impact. And the the storyline the week before was that Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, and Michael Thomas were all going to be on the field. Whereas throughout the whole regular season, they only had 10 quarters in the field together. So they were like, the trio is back. Like, this is it. And obviously Kamara got his his share and his pieces. But um, Michael Thomas was just a non-factor
1: for most of the night. I didn't really – I don't even remember him catching a ball. Right? He, but I, he did, I don't I know. I'm pretty sure he did have a couple completions, but like no, you said – No, he probably did, but there was nothing don't where it. it was like – it. There was nothing where I was like, wow, where it was like a normal Saints game where it was like – You know, you can recall at least something. But. Yeah,
0: so that was – I would assume that was kind of the biggest point for me that I saw from that game, but – how about that moment? I mean, we talked about it a little bit. Uh, Breeze and Brady, that they share after the game with Breeze's family, and then Brady's throwing some touchdown passes to Drew's kids and the wife's out there and everything. And I was like, yeah. oh, that was just really cool. And it yeah, was exactly. sad to see. And he goes off the field with, uh, like, kind of took, like, turned around in the tunnel and gave one last look to uh, the Superdome. and Yeah, it was, it
1: was uh, some heart-wrenching stuff for it sure. It was pretty
0: emotional. Um, and the one thing I was thinking, too, is, like, he was out there with, uh, Brady was up without a mask, too. So I was like, oh, dude, could you imagine if the NFL came out this week and was like, you know what, Tom? No mask on. That's protocol. That's We got to make an example out of it. You'd, you'd love to see it, there's but there's no me? way.
1: <laughs> are you t- I'm surprised you said it with a straight face, yeah, to be
0: completely honest. There's with no you. way. But could you imagine, like, even the NFL's poster boy is not above the protocol?
1: <laughs> no, there's. You, yeah. I mean,
3: uh,
1: hilarious. Politics, politics. Yes, but.
0: All right. NFL news that I've been wanting to talk about. This is the one I'm most excited about. The Lions, they find a general manager, defensive coordinator, and a head coach. Boom. Only one of which is official right now, but the other two are closing in on deals very rapidly. So Brad Holmes is the new general manager, officially hired for the Detroit Lions, coming off a seven-year stint as the Rams college scouting director. He'll be one of the youngest GMs in the league at 41. So... That's impressive. That is very impressive. Talk about Strobel, a young coaching career, but ownership is usually even older. Top brass. Yeah, for sure. So uh, the Lions also hired former, well, I shouldn't say hired. They're closing in on a deal with the former Saints defensive back Aaron Glenn, who was a first-round pick, played 15 seasons in the NFL. He was a three-year pro bowler. Like, Dude had a great career. Um, That was before he started his coaching career. He's at the Saints right now. And let's stay right with the Saints. At the head coach position, New Orleans tight end coach Dan Campbell is unofficially going to be the next head coach in Detroit. Like I said, they're closing in on that deal. That should be done very shortly, as uh, a lot of people are reporting right now. But the Lions cannot – I wrote this down before their playoff loss, but they couldn't contact him before the Saints' pre, the postseason run was over. Yeah. Now, I wasn't expecting them to lose, so I kind of put that in there. But yeah. now they can talk to him as much as they'd like. Yeah, they <laughs> Hire him now. They could. So hopefully um, they get those deals finalized and we can start to really move forward with that process, the onboarding process. And um, I don't know how much of you listened listened last week, but we talked to Mike Sullivan about reports that the Lions had actually offered Kevin Colbert from the Steelers organization. So it was a bit surprising that Holmes kind of suddenly became the favorite.
1: Yeah, I don't don't know. I mean, my question is, is how do you feel that your next head coach is – Was a tight ends coach? Yeah, so that's what we were talking about before.
0: And I want to say there are only four other NFL coaches that have gone right into that head coaching position without having any coordinator experience. It seems like there's such a cookie-cutter path to becoming a head coach in the NFL. You know what I mean? Just kind of rising up the ladder of coaching positions. And Campbell kind of goes around that, right? So the Lions said that he just basically wowed him in the interviews and that his vision of... Kind of what he wants for this franchise and the direction yeah. that they want to go in, what fits exactly with their ownership. So, but like you said, how much trust do we have in this front office?
1: Yeah, exa- little to none.
0: Yeah, so I, I would, I, I did refute that by saying that Chris Spielman is in there yeah. helping at least making decisions, I mean- even if he's not the final say.
1: I, I'm not gonna ever want the Lions to be above the Packers, but I would they, <laughs> they can be second competitive.
0: place. They can be second place. They can be competitive, at least in the NFC North. They can be second place. Good lord. Um, but yeah, so that'll be very interesting for uh the Lions as we kind of start to figure that out. Campbell, let's kind of talk about him a little bit. He played for the Lions a bit, actually, late in his career, and that was something I talked to Sullivan about was that they're going after all these guys that have connections to uh, the program, like Kevin Colbert from the Steelers. He was with the Lions in a much more minor role before he went over to the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Like that was something that they really loved from that. Um Robert Sala, that who is, you know, now with the Jets officially, unfortunately, alum, NMU alum. Good point. Get that in there. Um, He was a guy from this area, obviously played at Northern Michigan, like. That the guys who had connections to this area, you know what I'm I mean? I'm struggling right now. No, you're good. What are you <laughs> messing with the chair? I'm trying there you to go. my
1: chair up, dude. I you're good. Like Don't annoyed. worry about it. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right.
0: <laughs> good Lord. They go after all these guys with connections to the area, and then all of a sudden, like, I feel like every day it was like, oh, this person is now the favorite for... uh you know, the GM Something, job, the head yeah. coach job. I, I asked Mike, I was like, so what determines if who becomes the new favorite? Like somebody left the building with a smile on their face?
1: I, I guess. How, like yeah, it's just like an outside. insider
0: report? Like somebody's leaking info? Is that all it is, I'm assuming? Must be. Ah, oh,
1: dude. Somebody's just waiting outside the front office, just waiting to see a reaction, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, but That's all we've got for NFL Talk today, and we'll get right to Ian Gilmore. Joining us now on today's episode is a junior at Michigan State University in their school of journalism, a guy that covers all sports for the Spartans, from a football team to basketball and women's soccer. It's Ian Gilmore. What's going on, Ian? How are you?
4: Hey, Kobe. Great to hear you, man. It's, 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 it's a pleasure and an honor to be on this pod, dude. It's taken off. I can't believe I'm, I'm here. I'm a D1 reject.
0: The pleasure is mine, my friend. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> with the uh, the JVB North United and all that stuff.
4: Yeah, no, I you know when you asked me to be I was like, you know what, I don't think I fit your regular bill, but I mean, I guess I was. I never got scouted by D one yeah. teams, and they, I feel like I got, I got snubbed a little bit. But I mean, <laughs> the JV, you know, it's all about is is proving proving people wrong.
0: I love that. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to you know kind of branch out because yeah, like having guys that play at the college level from all over and coaches too, especially their insights have been great. But then you know last week we got Mike Sullivan on, and I just realized like there's a real opportunity to start getting a much broader range of guests on the show. And I think that, you know, you're going to be the start of something big. So I guess you got that going for you.
4: Hey, you know, I, I try, but yeah, no, <laughs> you know, I feel like, I feel like, you know, your, your audience is, is, you know, very, very niche at the moment and it is, it, but it's such a good niche. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of guys that, want to hear about, you know, people that, you know, didn't make a D1 because that's the majority of people. Yeah. So, and, you, know, and, you know, I mean, I, I listen to it. So there's that, the, you know, the, the journalism side of it and uh, the podcasting that people enjoy. That's what I enjoy. So having on was great. So, yep. yeah, yeah. I love what you're doing, man.
0: I love that. I appreciate you. Um, But yeah, I think in the future, that's something I'm going to look to expanding, not even, you know, obviously into the realm of like the broadcasting and the journalism type of side of things. But even I thought would be really interesting is like the marketing and business aspect of football. So if we got some guys um, from like the operations and management side at some college programs, Mm -hmm. I think that would probably be my next step as far as what type of guests I get. What do you think about that?
4: Yeah, I think one thing too that's always really intriguing is like sports agents, that type of of person because they know ins and outs and stuff like that
0: that's a good point all right i'm gonna throw that on the list um but let's let's talk about you now a little bit how was campus the first semester i'm pretty sure aren't you a you're in a house there in east lansing
4: yeah yeah just kind of just across the street from msu the campus and i mean um there wasn't you know a bunch of people but i mean this you know the street we're on like almost every house was was full with people so you know as safely as we could, you know, made some friends and good, um, you know, had as much fun as we could while you know trying to stay safe and away from COVID and yeah. you know, also school was still going on, you know. Yeah, so, of course, yeah. Um, you gotta you gotta stay up with that, and I know they've got more people living on campus now. Oh, I
0: think I lost you there for a second.
4: So slowly, go. sort of, sort of building back towards you know normalcy, and I hope maybe in the fall there's there's more and more back on campus stuff. And I was actually one of the lucky ones that had one of the 40 in-person classes at the whole university in the fall. So, oh. you know, I'm, I'm, you know, count my blessings and yeah. staying lucky. So you I know, did not I realize too much.
0: Yeah. I did not realize they had any in-person um, classes. I was under the assumption that everything was to be done remotely and from an online setting. So I guess, yeah, you were definitely lucky because 40 classes out of what, 50,000 kids that go there, you were definitely a right. few.
4: And even now they've, they've got I think just four hundred and I've got one of them. It's it's like a it's a TPW equivalent of, you know, M S U. Good so it's, stuff. It's yeah. One of the capstone classes that um, people need to to graduate and then major that the Perfect. broadcast journalism
3: one. So yeah,
0: yeah, that's right up your alley. So I guess that rolls right into the next thing I got for you. I, I wanted you to, you know, obviously I know you pretty well and I keep keep in touch with you and all of your work. But for those listening, like, give us a rundown of what you've done so far at MSU in terms of you know broadcasting with things like Focal Point and the Spartan Sports Report. Give us give me a little bit of a rundown.
4: Geez, yeah, I mean, it seems like you know forever ago I was in you know Mr. Smith's class at you know TPW and. Um, I mean, uh, I've I've run myself very close to into the ground here. Just you know, I think this this business is just such a business that's um, you know devoted to you have to say yes to everything. Yeah. And so I, I've kind of taken that and tried to run with it. You know, Spartan Sports Report is um, uh, before the fall. It was a weekly sportscast we did on MSU Sports uh, where you know student student produced and student reporting. Uh, we get great access to all the teams here. Uh, focal point is like the tpw equivalent it's it's a weekly newscast once we get into things usually about a half an hour um and you know that's how a lot of people get jobs that, that are doing it awesome um I've, I've interned at the NBC affiliate in lansing doing go. um friday night sports blitz. i actually got to go on air a couple times which is awesome i saw that yep. um and then i worked with the MSU lacrosse team uh my freshman year doing some video stuff for them and that was sick because Got to go to California with them and Tennessee, kind of see, um, Connecticut and Ohio, travel with them. That was, that was some of the, the most fun I've had. And uh, there's one I'm missing. I don't have my resume in front of me. Um, <laughs> That's but, okay. Uh, but I, there's, there's something. On, oh, yeah. Impact. Impact. That radio station uh, on campus. Um, do stuff for them. So, you know, i get to. Call MSU football games and basketball games Sweet. live on the radio, and, and you know cover the soccer team with them as well. So, That's great. Um, you know, just trying to spread myself as thin as I can while, while staying up on classes. You know, yeah. you, you know, all that, I and mean, then you got classes to do too. So know, just balancing I mean, everything. Is, yeah, yeah, and I think you know the, the journalism program here is is turning into a powerhouse. It's not necessarily, uh, you know, the first you, you think of Northwestern Syracuse and, and Syracuse Cronkite, yep. and Cronkite, Arizona State. Uh, University of Missouri, but but we're we're starting something here, and I I feel you know be a part of that you know turning MSU into a place where people come to get their degree you know in journalism and doing yeah. broadcast and stuff like that, and I'm, I'm just lucky to be a part of it.
0: That's awesome, dude. That perspective is great. I love that. Um, I guess rolling, you know, right into that, you talk about the balancing and all of that. I totally understand that. I I think the calling of the radio would be just electric, especially for you too. I know that you're. Seeing you do that, you have so much enthusiasm when you get on there. I've had a chance to get on uh, WUPX up here in Marquette a couple right. times and uh, it's a little bit different environment. It's definitely I haven't called any uh, sports yet because th- those have been very minimal. But thankfully, our hockey teams right. and our basketball teams are playing now. So um, I might have to I'm gonna have to uh, hit up some people and try and get into that because that would be a lot of fun. But dream yeah, job no, for you,
3: hockey. Hockey. hockey I there.
0: might not be able to get into because that is um, as I'm sure you know is, is above football for Northern. That's our only D1 sport, and that is everything um, up here. Yeah. So we'll we'll I, see if I can swing that, but.
4: Yeah, that's tough too. Calling that on a radio.
0: Yeah. I know, dude. As like, fast it goes. That'd be unreal. But um dream job for you, like in the future, your end goal, graduate from MSU, where do you see yourself ten, fifteen years in the future, like where you're established?
4: Well, I dream job is doing play by play for soccer, and that's what it's been since awesome. you know, I discovered a passion for this and I'd love to be across the pond and you know, in the UK or Spain or something like that. Okay. Um that's that's the dream, but you know, the crazy thing about this business that we're in is that, you know, there's no one path to anything.
3: 100%. Not, you
4: know, you talk to, you talk to anyone and their path is totally different from, you know, the next guy. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, luckily graduation is still a year and a half away for me. <laughs> I'm worried about internships, you know, this summer. And yeah. like, I don't even know, you know, what that's going to look like. So 10 to 15 years down the road is, is, you know, you know, way past where I'm looking right now. That's but, fair, that's fair. Um, you know, I just, you just got to keep working and, and try to just to keep that vision of, of the dream, you know, what you want to do. Um, you know, Dan Dickerson is the the, the Tigers play-by-play yep. guy. And we have um, – he comes in every once in a while because his wife is one of our professors. Nicest guy in the world and just always so helpful. But he started in weather and traffic in Arabia. <laughs> and, you know, then got one time got the call. Uh, in inning of a game with Ernie Harwell, and you know, next thing oh my a gosh. Tigers guy. So I think anyone you know, would become
0: a Tigers guy after calling a game with Ernie.
4: Yeah, it's it's just he's got the magic touch. Yeah, like, you could not go baseball. You call an inning with him, you know, you're the next guy. Yeah, <laughs> but so you know, you know the the first I always talk about um, with a couple of my buddies, Griffin Stroy, an L. O. alum, and then of Joe Schaefer, who I met up here. You know, we would sit my freshman year and sophomore year and talk about how you know maybe we don't want to get stuck in you know. Fargo, North Dakota for two years doing, you know, sports reporting, but maybe, maybe that's the right move to get where you want to go next. But, you know, there's, there's it's just, there's so much uncertainty. It's kind of uh, daunting sometimes. So I I, I'm just focusing on, on where I'm at right now and, you know, trying to get that next thing. So
0: That's the right mindset, dude. That's the right mindset. Whatever you got to do to get to where you want to be, even like you said, even if you don't know where that is yet, and that's totally okay. That's not something that's specific to journalism or broadcasting. There are so many guys in school that, are just trying to figure it out. So it's like next class, next practice, whatever, like get that out of the way. And then the mindset just restarts and goes over again. But um, right at Michigan State, um, I I thought I knew the answer to this question, but I don't think – I don't know if I do. As far as covering the sports teams, what has been your favorite? I know that environments as of late have not been um, similar to that as what you've seen in the past years, but what team has been your favorite to cover here as of late?
4: Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, the, lately it's been just cool being in the stadiums. Cause I mean, we're one of like, you know, maybe yeah hundred. It's probably a little eerie now. in there. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, they playing the fake crowd noise and stuff like that. Um, That's in the stadium
0: too. That's not just on the broadcast.
4: Yeah. They did that at football. They're doing that at, at basketball as well. Really? sometimes the one Yeah. The one at basketball is actually pretty loud when you're there. It's, it's loud enough that you can't hear what they're saying on the floor or anything like that. <laughs> but yeah, no, that. it's a, it's a and, you know, we're shooting from the stands instead of on the court or, yep. or on the field, which is also odd. But, um, you know, so basketball is right up there for me. But, you know, I'm a soccer guy. Of course. I, um, you know, I, you know, I, I always think about this, this one day. And I grew up a Michigan fan, and it took a lot for me to come here, um, you know, <laughs> growing up being a Wolverine. So um, I remember freshman year, um, the soccer team went on a crazy run. They got to the Final Four. Um, lost in the semifinals in California, but um, the Elite Eight game, they played against James Madison at home. Okay. field was covered in snow. Uh, the stands were packed. There was you know, 2,500 people throwing snowballs at the other team. <laughs> um, and uh, we, me and Joe Fryoffer, got done calling that game. And freshman year, it's a, it's a Saturday night, or no, Friday, Friday night? I don't know. No, it wasn't a weekend night because the buses weren't running. And no, so I've go. got, you know, uh, a mile and a half walk back to the dorm. Jeez. It's snowing, it's, it's 20 degrees. And, um you know, the whole way I just couldn't wipe a smile off my face. Cause that, awesome. that was like, you know, that was the moment where I was like, I'm in the right place. I am doing what I love. And, you know, I can't wait for like more and more time of this. And so, you know, soccer obviously is my favorite sport, but that just, you know, cemented, you know, it being my favorite here. My favorite to cover and what I want to do in the future. So
0: let's go, dude. That's awesome. That's a, that's great to hear because I think. As we've talked to more and more people, it becomes apparent that you know not everybody finds the right fit on their first try. And a lot of people, really, and especially with COVID, the transfer portal for guys playing football at all levels has been flooded by so many right. new transfers because of how certain schools or states are handling this pandemic and guys are trying to find a new situation that better fits them and gives them the best chance of whatever they want to do, whether that be the NFL or Um, you know, playing other type of aspirations or just playing in college. There's a lot of guys just like myself. I have no aspirations of playing after college, but I want to play this game as long as I can. You know what I mean? So I guess we'll stick right there. Talk about, uh, the Spartans football team. As you saw, we got that that big retweet from Mel Tucker a few weeks back, which that was like
4: massive. the peak. Not just a retweet; that was a quote. Tweet, yes, it dude. was
0: a quote. Tweet. He talked That's about the different. out of season and not the off season, and that was a uh-huh. peak, definitely for the young uh, Division One rejects career. But he's made some big changes to the program already. As like Dan Van Ostal was talking about, when he comes into that room, there is a definite change in energy that is. Not that to say that D'Antonio didn't bring that, but it is different. Something about it is different and that energy is different. But what do you expect to see from those guys next fall once Tucker and his staff, you know, really have time to implement their game and their culture? Remember, he was only hired in February, and you think, oh, you know, six months seems like a lot of time. But when you're trying to I don't want to say turn around like you've got it in a bad state, but when you're trying to really jumpstart and implement yourself into a culture like that, that's not a very long time. I don't think people understand that. So what do you expect from those guys this right. fall?
4: Yeah, not at all, especially in, in the client, you know, it wasn't a regular six months either. It oh, was you know, all yeah. done from, his, from his computer. Um, Seriously. I, I don't think it's harsh either to say that D'Antonio did not leave this program in a good way uh, or, or, you know, in a good place. Um, so he, Tucker didn't have you know as much to work with as maybe you'd think you know he had coming to Michigan State yeah um I think you know you talk about the the difference in in culture or attitude uh, I don't know if there's too much of a, a difference so far but I think just at MSU it was they were so used to it because D'Antonio just brought that for you know 10-12 years consistently um and so Tucker coming in and keeping that I think set the tone um I think one big thing that I noticed throughout the, the season is the difference uh, in, the, in the tone in the press conference. I remember going to the Wisconsin game uh, when D'Antonio was still the coach. They got shut out 31-0. to And, yeah, you got to be pissed. Who's not yeah. going to be pissed after getting shut out? But, you know, it was, it was kind of like a, a tired, yeah, we're going to watch film and get back to work. When, when you know, MSU lost games, and I, I think the one that stuck out to me was the one against Ohio State. Okay. don't expect them to win that yeah and honestly no one really expects them to contend that much either but he got in the press conference and he was pissed up and down left and right he was very very angry and i i think that is the, the standard that he's brought in um and that is, is so good to have uh in terms of what we're going to see from them in the fall i think you know you can't even gauge this year you know based based on you know what Tucker's done. I, I think see. Yeah. That the, the real measure of him is when he's going to get his guys to campus.
3: Yeah. And the
4: first ones will come in this fall. Um, but I think when you've got two or three years of him and his crew recruiting, that's when I think you can start gauging whether he is successful or not. If he keeps having seasons uh, where they're not winning too many games, then that's when you start to ask questions. But yeah. I think you have to give him time. I think that's so important is to give him a time to get his guys here This this last season was all D'Antonio's guys. I'm not saying D'Antonio was bad at recruiting, right? But very different style of
0: recruiting, though. Like D'Antonio approached that aspect of his coaching career very differently than Mel Tucker does. You're right.
4: Right, exactly, and I think you know we will see just what Mel Tucker can do with a program when he's got his team and he can set it up exactly how he wants.
0: And another thing, too, just kind of going off of that and how to evaluate Tucker, look at what that Colorado team did this year. They had an outstanding season under a new head coach. And, you know, obviously for him to step in, I don't know the name off the top of my head, but for him to step in and take those reins and lead them to a successful season, yeah, kudos to him. But those guys and that system was in place because of Tucker and that he turned that program around because they were not any sort of a contender in their conference. And all of a sudden they're winning some meaningful games against some big time opponents. So I think that for me was what kind of cemented it this year about, tucker and the potential impact i should say about what he's going to have on msu now a guy that he's going to be missing is msu linebacker antoine simmons who has officially declared for the draft after being snubbed for the all big 10 team which was Mm. surprising to say in the least and it was like basically downright disrespectful but i mean for me antoine was at times our best player this year probably because he was the most consistent i would say he was the guy that when we needed a big stop or something, you, you would always look for him on the field, the guy that you would try to look out in the field. But uh, I wanted to hear your thoughts on, obviously, his season, but then him and his chances heading into the draft.
4: Um, he was one of, you know, the few bright spots in a in Agreed. A, a bit of a, a dim season. And, you know, he was just that, that guy you can always rely on. I won't, you know, pretend that I know really draft stock or where he's projected. Yeah, yeah, that's to go fine. Draft, Neither do I. But- um you know he, i i think he w- he will get drafted um and he could be you know one of those those carrie willis types he had a he had a breakout season for the colts this year yep. and he went in what the, the third or fourth round he so did, yeah. um i could i could totally see simmons doing that sort of thing you know going to a team uh, kind of under the radar honestly the way x is doing right now with the memphis grizzlies um, that's and, that's very, you know, He got his first start like, the just, other day,
0: didn't he? Not to interrupt you, but yeah, I think he yeah, he, he,
4: he dropped 15 points. There you go. Um, he was almost their leading scorer the other day. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, I could totally see Antoine Simmons, you know, being a, going a little under the radar and then having a, a very not you know a, not not a rookie of the year type season. or anything of Like that, but but having a very good season and becoming you know a, a 13, 14 year guy in the NFL that you know consistently gets 100 tackles every season.
0: Man, that that's a bold take, but I love to hear it. And I think for a guy like Antoine Simmons, when you head into the NFL, and you know there are doubters for sure, but with a guy like him, he's not a huge name coming out of Michigan State. You know what I mean? The linebacker position is not one that demands eyes on it on every single snap. But for him, right. there is no – obviously there's a pressure for him to succeed because this is going to be his career. But compared to other guys, these first round, these second round, even third round guys, when you go into the league and you don't pan out within those first year or two – all of a sudden, it feels like, I would assume, it feels like you're carrying the world on your back because everybody's eyes are on you. So for a guy like Antoine, I think that's going to be his biggest benefit because he's a guy that works on and off the field, and he's just going to bide his time, bide his time, bide his time. And when he finally gets that opportunity, I say he totally runs with it. But the one thing that I know people will be looking at is that he's listed at six foot, 225 pounds, which is a solid frame. Then again, that is a roster size, so we're going to say that might be a little bit inflated depending on, you know, (laughs) It's just kind of what it is, but still a decent frame, undersized, still height wise, for a guy of his position in the NFL level. At the college level, that's going to get you pretty far, but he performs every game. He had almost 11 tackles per game, second best yep. in the Big Ten. But we talked about, I go back to that having the pressure off you type thing, right? So we talked about the yep. Browns and like when they played uh, Pittsburgh and like, you know, when they got into the playoffs, you know, we're, we already made it. You know what I mean? Like, they already yeah. made it. There is no more box pressure on them. Checked,
4: exactly. No one was really expecting box two to get checked.
0: Exactly. And then they did, and they upset Pittsburgh. Then they move on to the Chiefs, and that game they lose by five. So how do you think his mindset – I don't want to say it changes. I think he kind of stays the same and just approaches everything the exact same. But um, how do you think his mindset kind of takes that to his advantage as he gets into the league?
4: Yeah, I mean, you brought up a good point, too, is, you know, if you don't pay out in your first years, I mean – Joe Bocci, you know, went out his senior year with the the whole PED things, and then he bounced around to eight or nine different teams uh, this year. So you don't want to necessarily end up like that. Antoine Simmons, though, is a guy that puts his head down and works. He doesn't talk, doesn't listen to outside voices, and I think that's a big thing, too, because there's a lot more of those when he gets to the next level. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, for him, I I feel like that mentality won't change. And he knows – He's coming from a team that no one talked about this year. He yeah. knows he's coming from a team that got what two wins. Um. So I I don't think I think like you said that pressure won't necessarily totally be on it on his shoulders. And you know he's a guy that can you know uh you know surprise people on draft day and yeah. uh, make the analysts that you know at Lucas Oil like take do a double take on their little sheets and uh, thirty five uh, who's that uh. Oh, yeah, Antoine Simmons. He's, he's <laughs> now, a, I will say they're I not – It
0: came so. out that they're not going to have the traditional combine this year. Did you see that?
4: Oh, what the heck? No, I didn't
0: Yeah, see that. I, I did want to say that before I let you kind of go there. So I, I don't know the exact details of it, but, yeah, the, the reports are coming out that the con, combine, as it is traditionally done, is going to be very altered at best and, at worst, might not even be happening. So that's going to be huge for a guy like him to go out there and showcase his talent. I mean, I,
4: You got to hope then that they'll still do um, – pro days. at the Yeah, school, I would I assume
0: that would still go because they got to be able to see these guys like they can't go just off of yeah. film and other things, especially guys coming off injuries and stuff. But I love they call him Superman because he's this kind of um, you know, just a kind of meek and I don't say meek and mild, but like someone who's not going to go out and get in your face and all macho whenever he's off the field. But when he's on the field, they say he turns into a different person. And I love that he goes into his little phone booth and comes out and he's a different dude. But I, I don't know. He's, I just, He's I think also awesome.
4: great He's also great post game with the media. He's like one of the nicest guys he will answer any question, uh, you know, with grace and class. And maybe they – I don't know if they can – because he, put, he puts glasses on after the game. So I don't know if that's sort of Clark Kent sort of –
0: That might be the Clark Kent connection anything, right like, there. That yeah. might be great it. I'm guy. sure that has, has a bunch to do with it. But, Ian, can't thank you enough. I mean, that's all I've got for you today. I appreciate you.
4: Yeah, it was great coming on. Love, love having that conversation with you, Kobe.
0: Of course, my man. Well, best of luck with you in the future, and you know I'll be following.
4: Yeah, we'll talk to you
0: soon, too. All right. See you, buddy. See you, mate. Good talk with my man, Ian. Zach wasn't here for that one, but uh, it was it was a good time. It was a good time with my guy, Ian. Um, we talked about it a little bit, trying to, like, broaden the guests on the pod. For sure. So, hey, if you got anybody, any uh, anyone you want to get on I here. I not
1: have the same amount of connections you do, that
0: is for sure. <laughs> I'm trying to figure Dude. out who's
1: who my teammates are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's all about reaching out. I think people are, like, so afraid to do that now. Like, I'll just DM guys. No,
1: I mean, when I'm at the Peef and stuff and I see somebody wearing like a... I'm like, hey, my name's Zach. Yeah. And I'm just kidding, something like that. But yeah, it's all just like dude, Twitter it's, is... It's hard, Twitter man. is the
0: best resource for like trying to find guests on here. Like, oh, you'd be yeah, surprised... For yeah, for <clears> this. Yeah, like, you'd be surprised how many guys <clears throat> are just so open to that. Because like... I mean, Division 1 rejects. Like, these guys don't get a chance to do all this stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... Yeah, it was great talk with him, but let's talk some college football. We talk with him a lot about Michigan State, but we'll get kind of in that the big college football scene. Bill O'Brien to be the next OC for the Crimson Tide. That is big-time news. Alabama and O'Brien are working to finalize a deal for the former Texans head coach and GM to become the play caller for the defending national champions. Unreal to me. Absolutely unreal. So obviously, that comes in wake of Steve Sarkeesian, who was the former offensive coordinator from Alabama, who is heading to Texas. And mm. now it has actually come out that Sarkeesian is bringing Kyle Flood with him, who was previously their offensive line coach at yeah. Alabama. So they're going to be filling a couple uh, positions there for Alabama. But I don't, I don't see this slowing them down. If anything, that's just going to you know add to their whole repertoire.
1: So. You know, I saw something that, like, Ohio State was saying for, like, their corner commits or something like that. Okay. And it was it. there's no such thing for them as a rebuild, it's a reload. And I Ohio State heard, has
0: been kind of like a DBU, because L- oh, it was sure, LSU yeah. for a bit, right? But then uh, Ohio State's kind of taken over there.
1: Yeah, but Bama, I I mean, they had that two years ago, hmm. so not last year, but the year before. Who? they Bama. They oh. slipped to, like, number five or six or something like that after the loss to Auburn. That
0: was just last year.
1: That yeah. So whatever we count is last year. Yeah. Um, oh, that's
0: yeah. You could say. I would say this year the national championship. Last year was when they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah.
1: So last year when they missed the playoffs, and even still they're what was that top six? At most top six. Yeah. And they were so, still in. The, they, they barely.
0: Were, you know, it's not like they were. You know. Yeah, and that bottom
1: was before Mac Jones was Mac Jones, and very true. All that kind of the stuff. The team did a lot of They'll growing f- up. They're going to find more stuff. They, f- they got another five-star quarterback from our class, and they're yeah. going to be just fine. It's
0: unreal, dude. Um, It's just the next guy. And I, we were saying with uh, Drew and Hunter, we were doing the pot in my basement. <laughs> we were like, when Najee Harris came out of that national championship game, and you just had some other like guy who had no idea what his name was when he came into the game and just started running people over, Yeah, you're like, okay, so this is the next two years of Alabama football at running exactly. Man. You don't even know who it is now, but in two years he's gonna be a top draft prospect. That's just that cycle continues every yeah. couple of years. It's so unreal. I did want to talk about uh kind of back to O'Brien. He's a great amount of experience at the college level. I didn't realize this, but uh yeah, I knew he was the head coach at Penn State for a while. That was right after the Jerry Sandusky incident oh, wow. at Penn State. So I did not know that. talk about the amount of eyes looking in on, on that job and that program wow. during that time period. So he went through all of that turmoil. He was, uh, you know, helped, helped turn that program around, but he also had coordinator positions at Duke and Georgia Tech respectively. So um, Penn State being the biggest of those names, but still Duke and Georgia Tech, some two uh, Division one FBS programs. So it's not like uh, Bill O'Brien is, is new necessarily to the college yeah. game. I think it's going to be kind of refreshing almost for him.
1: Power five, so, I mean, still good.
0: And for me, it was – for him, he had a, he had some decent success as the uh, Texans head coach. I mean, they were in the playoffs a couple of yeah, years I there. Yeah, I mean,
1: you, if you take out last year, they really weren't bad. Exactly. Like so, But
0: I think everything went downhill like as soon year. as he – yeah, this year. Yeah, I know what you meant. I know what you meant. But everything started to go downhill for him when he assumed that GM job for me because yeah. I think that was just too much on his plate. And I don't know – on paper, it makes a lot of sense because – if you can pick the roster and coach it, I think one of the funniest quotes I've ever heard was um, uh, Bill Parcells said this, and he said something, and he was always a character with the media, mm-hmm. but he said something about, like, if you want to cook something, like, you better go out and be able to buy the groceries yourself or something along those lines.
1: It and does It <laughs> make right? sense. It does make sense. and But it's a lot to delegate to one person. Exactly, and I feel like because – Those are two very high-paying jobs. I feel like there's a reason for it. Yeah, there. It's kind of like trying to ask a dude to do two full-time jobs, and some. So it's like. um, But I I do agree that it it makes sense, and if it worked out and it wasn't too much for him, that it would be beneficial for the whole team. But that
0: could just be like the situation that he was in, the franchise, whatever. We don't. I mean, yeah.
1: If it's in turmoil, you're both of those dudes. So it's like then you're even more, more eyes on you, yeah, more, more to blame. The spotlight is yeah. gleaming on you at that point. So
0: agreed. It's just that's so much. And like I said, on paper it makes sense for there to be. It's a good then You thought, don't have to worry but, about you know the relationship between the two, but when you have two people that work together very well and yeah. then can do their own duties, there's no crossover like that. That is how the teams are going to be more successful. Mm-hmm. But we'll finish off our college football talk here with some big time players that have either declared for the draft. And we had one that I want to talk about who's sticking around. I guess we'll start with him, uh, Chris Olave, the star wide receiver for the Buckeyes, announced that he will be staying for his last year of eligibility at Ohio State after two big playoff games for him this year. Yeah. So I was I would say I was a little bit uh, surprised by that. I was because he was their number one guy, number one target. Yeah, he was their one and. Yeah especially for NFL drafts, like scouting you know, prospects and things like that. If you're going to put up two big games and they're both in the national, you know, playoffs, right. In yeah. the semifinal and the actual championship game itself. I don't think you could have finished a career off, but it, you know, maybe he's coming back to win a national championship. That's the goal. Maybe we'll see. Mm-hmm. But um, for me, that was kind of surprising, I guess.
1: Yeah. I don't know. What you think about that? I mean, Chris Olave, I'm sure. Cause Very talented player. You can't take anything from him with that. But, um, you know, I'm guessing for him it was probably more of a draft stock thing. He probably was looking for a little more. I'd probably agree with you, yeah. I'd say that was probably the root of it. I obviously have no idea what his reasoning was, and I'm not going to act like I do. But I would say it's probably something like that. I wasn't hearing a ton of stuff that he was going to be – you know, Top, high yeah. in the in the draft well, count. Think about
0: the guys in front of him. Devontae Smith. You've got Jalen Waddell. You've got who are, I think a lot of people are forgetting about it, is Jamar Chase, who opted Jamar's, out. Yeah. Right from LSU. So,
1: and that's an extremely talented player. So, oh, he was
0: unreal for them in that national championship run for LSU. And I'm sure there are guys that I'm just not coming to my mind right now. But those are the three that stand out right yeah, away. Yeah. The three guys that are head and shoulders above an Olave. So, yeah, maybe he really wants that guaranteed money and he feels like he's got. I'm something sure to prove. that's
1: yeah, exactly. And he probably, um, I don't know who Ohio State's gonna have at quarterback next year, but he probably has faith in whoever it is and knows that you know, his team's going to stay at the top of, you know, Big Ten and yeah. probably make another playoff run. He's like, why not just get another go at it and see if I can get my draft stock a little higher.
0: So let's stick with Ohio State. we got two more guys from there that I wanted to talk about. Trey Sermon, OSU running back, he'll be joining his QB in this year's draft. He announced on Monday as well that he'll be in the in the draft. Mel Kuyper has him ranked as the third overall draft eligible back. I'm assuming that's behind Najee Harris and Travis Etienne, but yeah, um, I think a lot of people didn't realize Sermon was a grad transfer from Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, so and I actually knew this for a while because I, like, vividly remember watching the Rose Bowl game, Oklahoma and Georgia, um, Jake Fromm and Baker Mayfield. Yep, Um, and I believe it was towards the end of the game. I am not going to recall the name of the running back that they had starting for Oklahoma, but I just remember when Trey Sermon came in, um, they were at, like, their own 20 or something like that. Breaks off for a huge run, and then um, safety comes to, like, fill the gap, and Trey Sermon just, like, brushed him him. off. (laughs) And then I was like, wow, like, that dude could actually... And it was, like, it was such, like, a powerful run. Like, it was, like, the dude just, like, would not be denied, and you can like see it in his eyes. I was like, I mean, what would the geez. Oklahoma
0: team would have been like this year if he stayed? Because <laughs> they you like, never after know after losing those two games early. Yeah, exactly. They figured it out. Yeah, the Sooners did under the, with that young quarterback who I was really not a fan of. I don't know, yeah, Spencer Rally. Yeah, but I mean, you can't argue with the fact that they had a lot of success late exactly. in the year, especially and finishing off with that that big time win.
1: Yeah, and but Trey Sermon, I mean, hats off to that guy because he was phenomenal for yeah. the. The Buckeyes agreed,
0: dude. And it was kind of like, um, you know, when he came out of that game in the national championship, we talked about Master Teague the third, who was an afterthought all of a sudden. When he had been their guy last year, he had been their guy for a lot of the beginning of this year, but then Trey Sermon and his breakout performance in that Big Ten championship with Northwestern, and all of a sudden, Master Teague the third was kind of an afterthought. So, I'm, I don't know. Uh, what his plans are as far as declaring or probably staying—I don't—I don't know what year he is uh, like eligibility wise. But the last guy we want to talk about from Ohio State is Justin Fields. No surprise here, but Fields made it official finally on Monday that he would forego his senior season at Ohio State. Now, um, for him, the question is going to be finishing off on that injury, right? That that hit to the ribs that got that—I was about to
1: say—better be wearing <laughs> them rib protectors <laughs> that that dude took a shot, yeah, right. I right felt that the, on my couch. There's like, I'm telling you, watching that, I'm no doctor, but there is no way that dude did not break at least one rib. I agree. There dude. is no that was that unreal. is a hard hitting linebacker. The way his body like contorted who and like beered him directly in the ribs, no rib protector whatsoever. You you put some pads in there, and then maybe you're like I ah, might have absorbed some shock, but that dude is straight helmet to bone. At full speed for that linebacker, it was and it's like ridiculous. Just straight shot right yeah. to his ribs, and I was like, "Oh!" So a lot of people are calling, pain.
0: a lot of Lions fans, I should say, are calling for either him or Zach Wilson from BYU to be the next guy in Detroit. So, hundred <laughs> percent. I even with the injuries, I'd take Field over Wilson any day of the week. Yeah, that's just I my mean, preference. Yeah, the schedule that he played, the way that he finished the year, and the frame. The dude's like, oh, yeah, what? The dude's big, 6'4", 240 somewhere along those lines. Yeah, he's something he's like thick that. and he's big. And Zach Wilson, dude, he got rattled. Like, he's a great quarterback. Don't get me wrong, was in Heisman contention for a little bit there earlier in the year when BYU was really on that tear. He got rattled against the Coastal Carolina defense. Yeah, I mean that Coastal Carolina deserves all the credit in the world for what <laughs> they've been able to do at the FBS level. But I tell you what, NFL franchises are going to have a hell of a lot better defense than that. Let's move on a little bit. We got another quarterback for you, Trey Lance, the sophomore quarterback from North Dakota State, joins what is becoming a very talented quarterback draft class. He's 6'4", 226, has led the Bison to back to back national championships in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. So
1: very talented dude. Very talented. I watched some film on him, and he's he's an awesome too. Talented kid.
0: Yeah, talk about a guy who can make it happen with his arm, I love how with he his just
1: feet. As if he's not older than me.
0: Right. Yeah. Hey, we're, we're like kind of right there with them. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? We're almost there. I we're mean, he's a, right? he's a sophomore, right? Isn't that isn't that crazy to think about though? Yeah, that's that actually unreal is to insane. think about. But then I go back to talking with uh, you know Coach Strobel and the conversation we had with him to think if their conference is in the same conference as you know North Dakota State, like
1: yeah, same division.
0: Wow, or not conference? Yeah, the same division. Yeah, the AA. Yeah, that's kind of crazy to think about. So I think it'll be interesting to see where he. Ends up and how much of a factor it is, the competition level that he's played. We'll see about that, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't think he's going to be. Um, like when Carson Wentz came out, um, he was. I don't say, say he's probably not first... first two rounds. Oh, yeah. no. No, I would say definitely not. I, and, and Carson was taken second because I'm pretty sure it was Goff than him back to back. It was Goff taken to the Rams and then Eagles took Carson, but um, I don't see him doing anything like that. I don't think he's. Um, it definitely hurt for him not to play this year. I know he played one game. And then yeah. at the beginning of the season, everybody was like, this kid's going to be great, blah, blah, yeah. And then after he stopped playing, just like Jamar Chase, everybody just kind of forgot. So, um, But I do think he's an extremely yeah, I was very surprised
0: guy. by the Jamar Chase decision because, like you said, he's an afterthought now, and I think people have forgotten how talented that dude was.
1: Yeah, exactly. They're going to have to go back and watch old film and – but then you realize that the dude took a year off of football and you don't know how consistent it's going to be and blah, blah, blah. And that so. could go
0: one of two ways. Like maybe he's out of football, lost a little bit of that edge, or or maybe like his body, you could look at it, he's got a year to recover. Like Gronk, take a year away from the game. You know, it's a weird True. comparison, but that's kind of where I'm coming I from. Mean, you yeah. know what I mean? So another guy who had a lot of talent but did not play the same strength of schedule as a lot of these guys was my guy Jarrett Patterson. And if you don't know Zach, this is pretty much the Jarrett Patterson show usually um, on D1 Rechecks because we talk about this dude a bunch. I love him. Uh, The running back from Buffalo in the MAC, the Mid-American Conference, has declared for the draft after setting an FBS record for touchdowns in a game with eight against Bowling Green and finishing with over 1,000 yards on the ground in only six games. It will be interesting to see where he gets picked up. His size is the biggest thing for me. It's 5'9", 195. Obviously, the speed for him is a huge factor, but we've seen him run over guys and you know make plays within the tackles and outside of the tackles. It's not like his game is very one dimensional. He gets out of the backfield and makes big plays mm-hmm. as well. But like I said, you're playing in the MAC. That's really all. And when you're five nine, one ninety five, you're going to be an afterthought on a lot of people's yeah, exactly. draft rankings. So I don't know. I think it's going to be an uphill battle for Jarrett, but I think he's got a Shaper. shot. Yeah. Oh, sleeper is an understatement. I definitely agree with that. One guy I do not have written down here, but I did want to talk about is Sam Ellinger, the quarterback from Texas. Yes. He officially declared for the draft. And the interesting news there for me is, I don't know, obviously I'm not him, so I have no idea what the decision-making process is. But as an outsider looking in, obviously, I thought it would have been smarter for him to stay another year. Yeah. He had a solid definitely. year, right? They finished with the bowl win, whatever, but now you have Steve Sarkeesian coming to Texas, right? And there's that great offensive coordinator who's made a lot of great quarterbacks. And you look at this quarterback draft class with the guys in front of you, right? Yeah. With Justin Fields, Max uh Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, yeah. guys like that that are the three guys right uh, Trey Lance even probably would be put ahead of him in some aspects, yeah. but You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of guys in this class.
1: Me personally, I have no idea what he's going through. But you know, if I was in his position, thinking about it, I would have stayed another year. Just, I mean, with the background from him too, playing so early and yeah, um, you know, especially when after that huge bowl win against Georgia, um, however many years back, a couple years, yeah, a couple couple years years ago, ago, yeah, um. He was like, "We're back," and then it was like, oh, no, you're <laughs> "No, you're not." So, um, uh, I, I would, I would have liked to see him stay and actually really you know, bring have that Texas that program back yeah. or something like that. I mean, he had a huge one against Georgia. You can't knock that, but the years that he had after it was kind of like, eh, it's not too good.
0: No, they definitely lost a little bit of consistency. So it'll be inter- interesting to see where he ends up.
1: But f- shootout, I mean. Shootout against Texas Tech and then Oklahoma. That game was crazy yeah. for him. Both of those games were. He has showed out. Not
0: that I don't want to make it seem like he hasn't shown that he has the talent to go play at the next level. Oh, for sure. I totally would not. You know, I totally agree that he does. Um, but like I said, there's just guys that are same case as uh, you know other wide res- the wide receiver Olave we're talking about. Yeah. There are guys that are head and shoulders above him talent wise. But let's finish off real quick here. Some game picks: AFC Championship, Bills, Chiefs. Uh, we don't know about Patrick Mahomes yet. You know what I mean, concussion wise, yeah. protocol wise. Now, since the game is on a Sunday, he's had a whole week, or he will have a whole week to actually recover and get back from that injury. Yeah. So, that's worth kind of taking into consideration. But um, who we taking here?
1: So, I'm going to put it this way: after watching Patrick Mahomes, I do think he's going to play. I would agree with you. No matter what, what, no matter what condition he is whether he can actually prove that he doesn't have a concussion or, you know, they're going to be sketchy and just be like, this is our half billion dollar man and he's going to play. So um, I do think he's going to play no matter what, how well is a question. Yeah. Um, obviously if Patrick Mahomes is not in the game, bills are taking it handily, but um, I do think it's going to be an interesting one either way. And it's, extremely hard to just pick against the Chiefs, but I'm going to go Bills. Yeah? I'm going to go Bills. So, I totally echo what you're saying. I just,
0: for me, coming off the performance last week against the Ravens, the Bills did not impress me in the way that I wanted to be impressed, and I want to pull for the Bills so badly. And what we didn't even talk about, by the way, is the amount of Bills Mafia fans that have donated to Lamar Jackson's charity when Mm -hmm. he went down, over $250,000 now. Yeah unreal so I, I did want to say that um but for me if Patrick Mahomes even if he's not playing we've seen Chad Hetty and he is by no means a franchise quarterback in the NFL but he's yeah. proven that he can go out there and play right and in the style of offense that the Chiefs run that's like we were talking about last week if you took Aaron Rodgers away from Green Bay totally different team If yeah. you take Patrick Mahomes out of Kansas City different team yes still winning team Yes, I still think they have a winning yeah, record no, in the NFL. Yeah, no, they still
1: definitely have a winning record, but yeah. I do think we also didn't get to see enough of Chad Henney. And That's a great point. One yeah. of, I think, their play calling, I mean, obviously, fourth down, and I'm going to sit here and say that I don't think anybody on that Chiefs sideline – was expecting Chad to do what he anything, did. I don't think
0: anybody knew what was going. Yeah, nobody and knew and nobody that expected. that
1: scramble, him. I don't think any, I'm pretty sure they were just going to be like, okay, he's going to check it down and mm-hmm, we're going to get to mm-hmm. third and ten and then we're going to, or we're going to get to fourth and ten yeah. and we're going to punt it away. And then after that happened, they are like, okay, let's make a ballsy call. Yeah. But up until that point specifically, they were not yucking it downfield. And when they did, yep. it was like a punt. Yeah. And <laughs> the dude caught a fair catch in the end zone. Um, uh, so, you know, if that dude is in and he's making decisions like that, obviously you have no way of telling. Yeah. But I do not think that we saw enough of um, Henny. Chad Henney just to be like, ignore the fact that the Chiefs were playing a survival-type offense That's when very he true. was in. That's it very was true. like, we have the lead. Let's just not mess it up.
0: Yeah, and I, like I said, I hope the Bills prove me wrong in this one. I'm going to go with Kansas City just because of how creative their offense is. I don't think the Bills have played anything to that level as far as craftiness goes and like the, the absolute balls to make calls Well, I mean, they did like play them. Yeah, that's okay. That's fair. Yeah, that's and they point. did yeah. lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did lose. Um, but um, even say Patrick Mahomes is out of the game, I think the Chiefs use that almost, for lack of a better term, as a martyr. Like, let's go win this game for Pat. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I just, for me, the amount of weapons on Kansas City. We saw what kind of game uh, Travis Kelsey had for them. Like they got, they still got to worry about stopping a lot of guys. So I'm going to oh, take Kansas sure. City. I I would say the over under for this game should be like forty to forty five. You know what I mean? Like somewhere in that. Yeah. Like that's where I would kind of take. I'm um, taking it
1: close. That's for sure. No yeah, I would what.
0: say they're going to run it down. It's going to be about who can um, hold onto the ball for longer and really have turnover on those drives. I think that's like, what
1: we're going to see out of the chiefs.
0: Yeah. Have you heard anything about, um, uh, Lair So he's supposed to be back. That's a great point. I'm glad okay, you brought well that up. That so it's also a big yes, game I, Yeah. So I heard that he is supposed to be back and playing this week. So that's going to be huge. Cause they obviously need him this week. And um, if they're
1: going to run down the clock and yeah, take a ton exactly, of time in their possessions, cause they, they want to keep
0: huge. that bills defense out on the field as long as possible. Keep yeah. that offense off the field. So, um, there we go on the AFC championship side. Finish off the NFC Championship. Bucks, Packers. I'm taking the Packers. I'm assuming you are too.
1: Yeah, you yeah. And but this is funny. I'll, I'll because, give you the reasons why.
0: Okay, please do. But I will say first, it's funny that we're both doing this, even though do you remember that Bucks Packers game earlier in the year?
1: That's in Tampa? exactly what I was about to explain. So yeah, go ahead, please. So okay, so what we saw earlier in the season, um fluke. Fluke, and I you know, but people are gonna want reasoning for why. Okay. And I'm Let's gonna hear. give them the why. <laughs> I said it was a fluke back then, and it still is. But the reason why is because, first off, the receiving core is not the same as it was. You're seeing a lot more consistency out of everybody. Um, Tunyon has Agreed. become way more of a factor for Aaron Rodgers. It's not just trying to get it to Devontae Adams because both of the interceptions that they had in that game were um, you know, not necessarily forced, but they were both targets to Devontae Adams. Yep. Um, and I think... Bucks are going to key in on that. And now that we have a more consistent receiving core that are able to make big plays for Rodgers and the Packers, it's going to be a way different game. No knock to the Bucks defense. Yep. They still have a consistent defense. Their front that...
0: seven too is what's really impressive with their linebacker exactly. core.
1: And, um, but you know, Packers just came off of playing the most talented defensive lineman, maybe of this decade. So um,
0: uh, I would say definitely, at least yeah, of this decade. Yeah. I didn't
1: know how you're going to react to that, but no. you know, I'd love to say that yeah. he's one of the best of all time. But yeah, um, oh, I
0: 100 percent would go with that.
1: And so you put in those into consideration, and then the fact that the Bucks, I mean, they can put up a ton of points, but I think Packers defense is going to be better than the Saints defense, and Packers can definitely put up way more points than the Saints offense. Yeah, Packers already have beaten the Saints and. Um, I don't know. I think Packers are just going to not run away with it. They're not going to run away with it.
0: No, I don't think so either. And I think that front seven for the Bucks is going to be a huge key for them. And um, But the problem with them is we haven't seen a lot of electric pass rushing off of the edge from that Bucks defense. We have mm-hmm. seen it in, in stints, but not very consistently. So when you look at something like that, then you think, okay, well, a lot of their sacks are going to be coming from what's called the coverage sacks, where a lot of guys are locked up, but like you said, there are so many options for him. And Aaron Rodgers is much better than a lot of other quarterbacks. He gets rid of the ball and he does not take Quick, a lot of, and he uh, just, you know, too much time.
1: Yeah. And, you know, when those dudes are locked up, he knows how to move around in that pocket very well and very efficiently. He knows how to get out of the pocket when he needs to. And he knows that his guys are going to be in the right place when he does. So that's yeah. going to be the biggest thing. I don't want to
0: say I'm rooting for him, but um, at this point, if he beats Tom Brady. I'm cool with that. That's all we've got exactly. for this episode of Division One Rejects. I want to say thank you. If you made it to the end, you're a real one. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening, and uh, look forward to another great episode next week.